passage you'll hear on the Lord's Prayer that where we don't actually really talk about the Lord's Prayer. Um, so, I mean, we will a little bit, but um, um, just like, can you put um, the, the first uh, Matthew 6? Um, can you put the King James up first? Oh, you didn't do the King James? Oh, okay. All right, that's fine. Um, that's okay. Um, you know what? We all know this passage. Um, why don't you stand up if you want to, if you can, and um, why don't we pray the Lord's Prayer together? And we'll pray this in the King James, if um, just in case you're, you're, I feel like that's, that's the way I memorized it, and that's probably the way a lot of people here memorized it. So let's pray that. Um, our, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Okay, you can be seated. So, I was looking at the Lord's Prayer, and I was thinking about how... um, Thank you, sir. Um, I was how interesting it would be to be a disciple, and you have a rare uh, audience with the God of the universe. You're in the presence of, of God, and you can say, "Hey, could you just teach me how to pray? Just, just teach me how to pray." And I know that I have often wondered, you know, how is the right way to, you know, how do you talk to God? I mean, really, when it comes down to it, how do you talk to God? Um, and so the Lord's Prayer is really a, a, a really, you could say, it's, it's glossed over because we can all memorize it, or we have all memorized it. We can say it from memory, and we gloss over the simplicity of the Lord's Prayer. Um, most religions, and I didn't do an in-depth study of this, but most religions treat prayer simply as a discipline, just a way to maintain a sense, a sense of a sense of connection to a higher power, even if that higher power is just your own inner consciousness. So, for for most religions, it's just a discipline that's just maintaining some sense of spirituality in yourself. Now, in the in the what I believe to be the scriptural standpoint, or the the, the, um, the if you take the whole scripture in view, um, I'm not going to say there's no discipline in prayer, but it's certainly more than that. Um, and I believe there's a much different picture than just a picture of 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 of, um, of ritual in prayer. Um, in, in scripture, we find um, an invitation from the Almighty God of the universe that starts in Genesis. With, with, with a conversation with Adam. It, it starts there. This, this conversation with mankind. And it, and it, and it starts there with, with, with um, God coming to, to meet and talk to Adam in the cool of the day. And, and, it, and we find there a God who says, Adam, where are you? When Adam has exited that relationship because of his own sin. So we find, I believe, a picture of a God who summons his creation 
to conversation. There's a vast difference between viewing prayer simply as, as a discipline similar to maybe a spiritual workout or you know, just a, 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 um, an exercise that we put our soul through. There's a vast difference between that and viewing prayer as a conversation with your father. There's a huge difference. And, um, and in my view, obviously, the biblical pattern of prayer fits more with the former than the latter. It's more, I'm sorry, more with the latter than the former. It's more of a conversation than it is a discipline. One of my favorite quotes, um, and, and I probably overuse it, but um, I still love it, and it's that familiarity breeds um, um, contempt. Familiarity breeds contempt. And um, I, I, so, and, and I'm going to expand on that, but we, as believers, we have an extremely unique capability to um, boldly approach the throne of grace at any time we want to. We can come boldly to the throne of grace. And, let, and this, that's a quote from Hebrews. It's Hebrews 14. It says, let us, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. And this is saturated talking about we have a high priest who understands our weakness. And then he follows this up and he says, so, so since we have this high priest, let us confidently, uh, let us with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we can re- receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Yet, and I'm speaking for myself, we frequently reserve this, um, this, this, um, um, this, this boldly approaching the throne of grace as a last resort in our life. Um, but, but, okay, so I'm going to expand on familiarity breeds uh, contempt. But, but first of all, it's not that prayer is an end to itself. So we don't sit here and, 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 and um, beat ourselves up because we don't engage in prayer enough. Because prayer isn't an end in itself. It's not something that we engage in just for the sake of engaging in prayer. Um, we may not leverage it, prayer as much as we could, but that's not the goal. Uh, E.M. Bounds, uh, um, one of his quotes on prayer says that we, prayer should not be regarded as a duty which must be performed, but rather as a privilege to be enjoyed, a rare delight that is always revealing some new beauty. That's, that's pretty powerful. And now let me ask you this. Is that the way that you experience, that you have experienced prayer in the past? Was your experience of prayer um, a rare delight that is always revealing some new beauty? Is that the way you experience it today? I, speaking for myself, I think I experienced prayer as maybe probably boredom. And um, I have no idea what I'm supposed to say right now. And... Um, you know, how do I prove my spirituality with the words that I, that I can say? Um, um, I, and I think for me, um, my ability to pray and my understanding of prayer, my enjoyment of prayer is something that I'm growing in today. Um, so, I, so, so wrapping all of that up, I would say that prayer is a response to a relationship. Prayer is a response to a relationship. So therefore... I would say that it's not familiarity with prayer that breeds contempt for prayer. But possibly it's familiarity with God that breeds contempt for prayer. And um, 
and I'm going to expand on that. Uh, Romans 8, 14. Um, uh, Romans 8, verse 14. 14 to 16. says this, and I'm going to read this out of the Passion Translation, so you're welcome to follow along if you want, but maybe just listen to me. Um, it says, It says, the mature children of God are those who are moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. And you did not receive the spirit of religious duty leading you to, to... leading you back into fear of never being good enough, the spirit of full acceptance, enfolding you into the family of God. And you will never feel orphaned, for he rises up within us. Our spirits join with him in saying the words of tender affection, Beloved Father, for the Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us as he whispers into our innermost being, You are God's beloved child. That's pretty huge. I love the way that that, that paraphrases this, this um, idea in, in Romans chapter 8. And then again in, in verse 26 uh, in Romans 8, it says, And the whole creation is groaning until the children of God are revealed. It says in a similar way, the Holy Spirit takes hold of us in our human frailty to empower us in our weakness. For example, there are times we don't even know how to pray or even know the best things to ask for. But the Holy Spirit rises up within us to super intercede on our behalf, pleading God with emotional sighs that are too deep for words. Now, so you ask, how do, what does that have to do with prayer being in response to relationship? And my, um, so if, if, um, I, it, there's this, this phrase, Romans, Romans 8, uh, verse, four, uh, verse 16, it says, Our spirits join with him in saying the words, the words of tender affection, Beloved Father. Um, our prayer, every prayer, the Lord's prayer, starts with our Father. We have the amazing privilege as believers to address God, boldly approaching the throne of grace, and address the God of the universe as our Father. That's amazing. Yet, we find um, a reluctance maybe to engage honestly in prayer or, or um, to take advantage of that. Um, even... You know, this, the Holy Spirit even helps us when we have no idea how to pray. It says, Romans 8 says, says the Holy Spirit rises up within us. And in King James, I think it says, with groanings that are too, too deep for words. I mean, we can pray the Holy Spirit. So if we find that it's true that I am not enjoying prayer today. The antidote is to enjoy our relationship with our Father more, um, not to set an alarm for 5 o'clock in the morning. Um, now, it may be to set an alarm at 5 o'clock in the morning, but, but, but just to engage in prayer for the sake of a discipline, I believe is missing the, the relational and conversational aspect of prayer. Um, we must experience God in relationship and experience prayer as a response. So I have three foundational, um, I guess, elements that I think um, um, the Lord's Prayer stands on. And, and there's probably more. And I'm not saying this is exhaustive, but I think these are three critical ones. And the first one is moving from ritual to relationship. The, the, the second one is embracing God's sovereignty. And the third one is... Forgiven people forgive people. Um, so, so, and I'm going to dive into each one of those, and then I'm going to be done. 
Um, if we look in, in Matthew chapter 6, where we find the Lord's Prayer, it's, 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 it's built on, on some, some, some very specific, it's built on and followed by some very specific instructions on how to engage with God in prayer. And it says, when you pray, in verse 5, when you pray, you must not be like hypocrites. They love to stand and pray in synagogues and on street corners that they can be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room, shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who, is, who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, don't heap up empty phrases like the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard by their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this. Um, so what Jesus is saying here is it's not the quantity of your words in prayer, but it's the quality of your words that matter before God. And, and you know, Gentile heathen rituals were, were very repetitious. And there are other examples of that in Scripture, such as, I, you know, I thought of, you know, was it Elisha or Elijah? I can't, can't keep those straight. They were up on the mountain and, uh, you know, they were crying out to the gods of, of, of um, Baal. And that by their many words, they could be heard by their God. We don't have a God that we have to engage with based on repetition. We have, and the reason is because we have a relationship. You don't listen to your kids because they ask you for something 70,000 times. Well, maybe you do, but God doesn't. Um, um, so, so it's not the quantity of our words. It's the quality. Jesus is saying that here is the kind of prayers this is the way that I want you to engage with me in prayer. Um, here's the kind of prayers I want to listen to. It's simple prayers from your heart. Um, uh, um, he says, don't use repetitive phrases. And then he, he proceeds to give us a template that a child can use and understand. The biblical model of prayer is simple. Um, it's ironic to me that this very command not to use empty phrases has has you know, this Lord's Prayer has become one of the most repetitive prayers in Christendom, probably. Um, and, and, you know, the irony of that is interesting. I'm not saying it's wrong to repeat the Lord's Prayer. We just did it. Um, so, it, uh, um, but, um, you know, as in the religious setting that I grew up in, um, no doubt, you know, the, the recital of the Lord's Prayer. Um, and, you know, I think that's kind of missing it a little bit, but, you know, I'm, I'm not going to be overly judgmental. Um, so and I remember as I was growing up, um, you know, it's awkward. You don't know how to pray. You don't know what you're supposed to say in certain settings and how to say it. And I just, remo- I just memorized certain sections of words and just kind of plugged them in like Legos. You know, just, you know, this, you know, this fits here, that fits there. You just, you just make up the words and hopefully they fit together and, and that's your prayer. And, and I'm not, you know, it is what it is, but um, it, it took me a long time to learn how to let the language of my prayers reflect the language of my soul. And I'm still trying to do it. It's, it's difficult. It's, it's much easier in private than in public. But to pray and actually let your words reflect what you actually feel and what you actually experience, it's, it's, it, it, we just we want to pray and, 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 and impress people and make sure that you're, you're saying the right thing and, and, you know, that you're coming out with the right tone of spirituality. And I think Jesus is saying, just lay all that aside and just approach me, our Father, and just lay his lay transparency. Um, I remember last year, um, 
my family and I were in Nashville, and my wife, we were walking down some street, and, and there was a shop, and, you know, it just kind of happened. We, we ended up in it, and um, um, it, it was kind of the kind of store that attracts women. And um, um, so, so, but we got in there, and, and I was kind of looking around, and it was actually very interesting. It was, they had clearly had a very um, unique model, business model. Um, it was a very, it was really, pre- the premise was how do we use this store that God's given us to, to um, spread the message of God's love. And it was just, it was, they were using their simple little enterprise as a platform for for ministry, and it was really cool. It was, it was refreshing. They had a, a neat uh, chapel inside their store where you could go in, you could put your prayer request on the wall, and they, you know, their employees all came and prayed every morning. It's it just a very uh, different feel. Um, and I met I met the, the the guy that owned it and his wife, and we were talking to his wife, and it didn't take me long to slip into my you know irrigation mode and just start asking her questions and and. And, you know, she, they, she started talking about how she's, you know, their stuff. And, and I don't really remember what, why she said it, but she said, um, my father knows what we need. My father already knows what we need. I was asking her about this lawsuit and if, you know, she was scared, whatever, I don't know. But she said, my father already knows what we need. And the simplicity of her statement, she had no fear. She wasn't worried about it. My father already knows what we need. What we need, and I'll probably remember that for the rest of my life. I've already forgotten what was in the store, but I'll remember her statement. Actually, I still remember some of the stuff. But anyway, um, and so in Matthew six eight, that's exactly what Jesus did. He says, "Your father already knows what you have need of before you even ask him. He already knows because we're in relationship with him. He knows what we have need of." Um, 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 the Spirit, it says in Romans 8, the Spirit is interceding on our behalf according to the will of God. That's our promise as believers. Um, um, so, and this dovetails with all the admonition we find through the epistles to just bring our request to God. You know, um, with thanksgiving, let, let your, cast your cares before Him. You know, if God cares for the, for the grass of the field, how much more will He care about you? Um, and that's unbelievably amazing we don't even it's just hard to even wrap our mind around this idea that this creator of galaxies reaches i care about you guys and i want you to bring your 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 needs before me and lay them down and and accept me accept my sovereign will in your life um and 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 um in Luke's account of the Lord's Prayer, it's couched in this statement. It says, What father among you, if his son would ask for a fish, will instead give him a serpent? If he asks for an egg, will he give him a scorpion? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to the people who ask him? Um, and I, so I love this. I love that we have a father who is moved by our weakness and cares about our needs. I, that is, that, uh, uh, um, it's incredible. In, in the New Testament model is, is that we should allow this relationship that we have with Jesus to be the channel through which honest prayers are prayed and that we embrace both the goodness and the sovereignty of God. 
Um, which leads me to the foundational element, embracing God's sovereignty. How many people have prayed prayers that have never been answered? One, one person, a couple, you know, a few more. I have. I mean, we have all experienced praying prayers that we are, as, as, as sure as we can be, we are confident that they are according to God's will, as sure as we can be. We, we pray these prayers and we lay them down and we, God d- doesn't answer this prayer. And so that's why, and, which is incredibly frustrating for me and maybe it is for you. And that's why I feel like that while Jesus doesn't specifically say in the Lord's Prayer um, or, or um, build the Lord's Prayer on the, the, the concept of embracing God's sovereignty, it is the central element of the Lord's Prayer. Your will be done on earth just like it is in heaven. We work incredibly hard to make our lives good. We work to, to make our lives safe, to, keep, to protect ourselves from, from risk. We work uh, very hard to, to make our lives as we can. And that's not wrong. Um, in fact, it's the way that um, God wired us that way to help us survive. Um, now, I have learned that there are... Um, you know, that, 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 that um, certain young men don't actually get wired that wiring until later on in life. So I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that, that, that everybody makes it through. Um, but, um, um, but, for, but most of us are wired for survival. And uh, um, yet when we run into things that we, we can't flip the switch off of suffering. Um, and su- suffering is one of the only things that keeps God's sovereignty in plain view for every single one of us. Because it doesn't matter how good our lives are, every single one of us will suffer in some way. We'll have people that, that we care about die. Our health will go down. Um, relationships um, can be strained. There, there are things that no matter how good we, can, we make our lives, we still run into, I'm in pain I don't like this. I would flip this off in a heartbeat if I could. Um, suffering is a gift of God that allows us to recenter around the truth that we're not God and we're not in control. And Romans, Romans 8 also says that the suffering, whatever we go through, whatever we find ourselves going through in this present time, that that, that isn't even worth the time it takes comparing to the glory that's going to be revealed later on down the road. God rarely delivers us from suffering. And I, I wish I didn't have to say that, but I was really, and I was really trying to be honest about that. Um, I really feel like that God rarely delivers us from suffering. And, um, and, and it seems like instead he uses this as an incredibly fa- powerful tool in our lives uh, to recalibrate my affections on him. Um, even Jesus prayed in the garden and had his prayers not answered. He also said, not my will, but yours be done. Paul, another example, prayed uh, uh, multiple times for an issue. And I want you to learn how to find my strength perfect in the middle of your weakness. And that is not the answer that Paul was looking for. <clears throat> and I do, I, as I already said, I believe this is why that's central to the Lord's prayer is the phrase, thy will be done. Because if you approach God in prayer without the framework of God's sovereignty, 
will leave prayer frustrated because we, will, we expect our will to be done. Embracing God's sovereignty is much bigger than just recognizing that sometimes what I wish and what God does doesn't align. Um, it's, a, it's, it's bigger than that. Embracing God's sovereignty um, from, in biblical prayers begins with the, with the premise that we were created and we exist for God's glory. We, we were created and we exist for God's honor and glory. God doesn't exist to delight in us. We exist to delight in him. In fact, God, he does not need anything from us. He created us for his pleasure, and that's why we're here. He doesn't need us. God needs nothing. Um, um, we don't pray to give God something. We pray to align ourselves with God. Um, there is incredible f- freedom if, in, 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 in coming to God with the framework of his sovereignty, bringing our cares, our concerns, our worries, our frustrations, bringing them to him and laying them down and saying, Father, my beloved Father, I trust you to do the right thing for me and letting it go. In this situation, I trust you to do the right thing. This is your problem to solve. I will, I'm going to love you regardless. I will serve you no matter how this turns out. You have my complete affections. We come to God to bargain. We don't come to God to negotiate. We come to God and lay it down in sovereignty and be set free from the need to control our own lives. Okay. So, um, moving from ritual to relationship, embracing God's sovereignty, and finally, forgiven people forgive people. I'm sure we've all heard the phrase, broken, broken people break people, hurt people hurt people, whatever. Um, I was just thinking, well, you know, forgiven people forgive people. That's just as biblical, or probably even more biblical. Um, forgiven people forgive people. Um, I, 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 and if you look in Matthew 18, verse 21... I think one of the most sobering parables on forgiveness is, um, you, you probably remember the story, uh, the guy that owed his master millions of dollars, and, and, and his master, he begged his master, and his master said, oh yeah, I forgive you, and, and then he went out and found one of his, his um, fellow servants that owed a, you know, a, a couple bucks, and, and grabbed him by the throat, threw him in jail, said you have to pay me, and the guy begged him, and he wouldn't forgive him. And then, and then Jesus wraps up that parable by saying, in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all the debt. So also the heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. That is, that, those are strong words. Um, to re, you know, uh, a few months ago, I wrecked my car. I went and got a rental vehicle, and I remember, you know, it's just one of those contracts that you sign that you're like, man, this, this really, this is pretty significant. You know, it's just, this has teeth. And it was something like, you know, either you can accept our insurance coverage for your vehicle or you can take complete responsibility of it yourself. And I checked the box. I take completely responsibility of it myself and saved $20 and walked out the door. But it wasn't without thinking, wow, I, I hope 
you know, I hope nothing happens to this vehicle. Yeah, and I don't remember exactly what the language was. But, 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 but you know, to, to refuse to forgive in our own lives is, is, is to cross out the signature of God on the contract of your life. And to say, I take complete responsibility for every wrongdoing in my life. I don't need your forgiveness. If we refuse to forgive, we take full responsibility on ourselves to pay the debt that we owe towards God. That's what Jesus says multiple times. In fact, it just in, in Matthew, Matthew 6, verse 14, if you... If you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you. Really, um, you know, it's, I don't think it's an accident that Jesus said that, 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 that he was delivered to the jailers until he should pay all the debt. And I, I don't think it's an accident that, that, that the grip of unforgiveness and bitterness is one of the strongest prisons you can be in. To come, to come before God is to recognize that there is no other relational deficit as large as the one between me and the creator of the universe. There is no relationship that is as wounded and disproportionate as the one between he and us. There is nothing, everything else disappears in the magnitude of the debt that I owe him. Yet, in spite of that, God built the bridge to reconciliation. Um, he, he fulfilled what we couldn't. When we come to God harboring our own grudges and unforgiveness, we despise our own need of grace. Our refusal is most revealing of the blindness in our own hearts of, of, um, regarding our own desperate need of, of God's forgiveness. I love in, in the Beatitudes, the first blessing in the Beatitude, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Our enjoyment of God's kingdom is predicated upon our abject poverty, a condition in which we realize that every value, everything that we have that's of any value at all, and the world owes us nothing for it. There, I remember a hymn that we used to sing in church um, when I was a kid. And I always thought it was incredibly strange. And I just remember a phrase in it. I'm sure you guys all know it. But it says something about Almighty God, um, to whom we come, what worthless worms are we? I think it, and, and there was this, just, there was always this phrase like, worthless worm? Not a worm. What are you talking about? I, I, I always thought it was such a strange song. Um, but then I'm starting to kind of figure out that there's some truth in it, that I really don't have anything of value to bring to God. And in comparison, I'm just a worthless worm. Um, but in this state, when we see ourselves as worthless worms or spiritually poor, um, in this state, we find that the wrongdoings that are committed against us are minimized to such a large degree that, we're in, in, that we find ourselves enabled by the Holy Spirit to commit those wrongs against us to God 
and let him be the judge. In fact, we can even find our Holy Spirit, our, our hearts changed by the Holy Spirit to such a degree that we even find ourselves loving the people who wronged us. I remember a, a, a picture in DK's office that has that, that guy that's running back out of the river to help pull, you know, the guy that's trying to chase him down and kill him out of the river who fell in. You remember that story? There's a, I forget who it was, but um, it's kind of a famous picture. But, um, but that's what the Holy Spirit does in our hearts as he just is. It's not just forgive, not just level it out, but heap coals of fire on our enemies' heads. That's... Um, um, but I also understand that forgiveness, just like coming to God in relationship, it, it can be a journey. And, and it often is a journey. Um, and so I do want to say that if, if we find ourselves struggling with bitterness and unforgiveness, I do not believe that that should be a reason that we forsake God in prayer. But instead, that we, we come to Him boldly, understanding our need of His grace, and, and just be honest, just like Jesus was. Give us this day our daily bread. God, I don't know how to forgive, and I need your help. Let him reveal the reasons that you find yourself unable to forgive. Let him deal with, with the depths of your heart. There's a phrase from a song that I like, and it says, if ever I should lose my way, remind me of the price you paid. If ever I should lose my way, remind me of the price you paid. And I love the fact that when I find, and I find myself struggling with offenses, either giving or receiving or whatever, I can recenter myself around my own receipt of God's grace and recognize that there's nobody that needs it more than I do. Re-engage in relationship. Embrace God's sovereignty. Forgive the people around me and find myself in conversation with the God of the universe again.